Hey everyone, how you doing? This is Amon Green, Green Bay Packers all-time leading rusher, and you're listening to The Average Cheese, hosted by Dell and Todd, two lifelong Packer fans talking about their favorite team, the 13-time champion, Green Bay Packers. Go Pack Go! Trouble. It's going to get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. So, welcome to episode 72 of the Average Cheese Podcast. I'm Dale Lobel. Peter Jones is with me. This is going to be another weird one. Peter and I are going to record something, and then Todd and I are going to record something on a later date. Todd is working. I can't say where he's working, Peter. But I will say that you may be correct that he is traveling to places where they need coaches and GMs. <laughs> so you nailed it and you didn't even know. So if Todd all of a sudden gets a promotion and no longer is on the podcast because he's now the GM or the coach of some football team, good on you, brother. So I guess he added Vegas to his list yesterday when Mike Mayock was fired. Probably. He opened himself up to the Raiders like, hey, I'm available. That was really strange, Mike Mayock getting fired. What do you think? My immediate thought was I was I was surprised. Not not least because they've got to the playoffs this year and that buys you a little bit of time, you know, because they're not a perennial playoff team. And so you think when they get there, yeah, that buys you a year or two years. But I guess, you know, also if you look at his draft picks, you can partly understand, certainly the number ones. I guess his first number one pick was the shocker Cleveland Ferrell he took with the fourth pick in whichever whichever draft it was and the guy should have been a first round pick it was just a surprise that he went that high they had Henry Ruggs and all and all of it may be a bit unfortunate with those picks as well but I thought certainly would be there another another year another another couple of years yeah really kind of strange you know the thing I thought about was Mike Mayock seems like a Raider guy picking Alabama players and big, big, he was big on the big five or the SEC. Like I'm going to pick guys from programs that are well-established. Yeah. I don't know what the right word is from that, but he seemed to just want to pick guys from those programs. He stuck to that. I mean, yeah, he made some mistakes, but what GM doesn't miss? They all yeah. miss. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I, I don't even look upon those as, as mistakes. You know, I think if you go back and look at hits on first round draft picks and I've you know, I've not gone back and looked at the actual numbers, but you just know from from your own team, from the Packers, and you can go back to even to the Ron Wolf days. Not so many of those number one picks last. You know, they don't work out. That's just the way it is. And I think it's it's harsh to criticize GMs on the basis of that. You know, I guess you also have to look at what they did in in later rounds and free agency these days and stuff. But you know, the draft is a it's a crapshoot, isn't it? You just never know how those guys are going to work out, whether they even fit in the system that you're going to run, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe we'll see him back on the NFL network. Probably. Probably go back to a safe job. Like, Can't really get fired from this one unless you do something completely stupid. Unless we can get him on the average cheese draft preview show. I love maybe that he'll, idea. Maybe he'll hold out for that. He won't be busy. <laughs> Reach out to him. So it's episode 72. We've had a lot of numbers with some questionable folks. 
just want to read some of these 72s, see if any of you folks, Peter, you'll know them all probably, but I didn't know any of these guys. Here goes. Royal Collar was the first one to wear it in 1942. So the Packers had been a franchise since, what, 1919, right? 1920, 21. No one wore 72 until 1942, which is kind of interesting. Forrest McPherson, Salone Barnett, Jim Kakeris, Tom Johnson, J.D. Kimmel. Doesn't he have a TV show, J.D. Kimmel? Jimmy Kit, Jimmy Kimmel, maybe it's his grandpa. Kit Lathrop, John Miller, Steve Wright, Dick Himes, Brad Oates, Tom Neville, Steve Gabbard, Harley Harvey Salem, Earl Dotson. There's one I know. Brian Bedell, Ben Davidson, Greg Boyd, Warren Bone, Mark Hall, Dick Affless, Jason Spitz. There's one I know. Garth Gerhardt and Todd Auer. Now I know I went through those super quick, Peter. Go ahead. Episode 72. So, so, so Dick Afflis was a wrestler, was a pro wrestler. Really? Yeah. Dick so the he, Bruiser? Yeah, Dick the Bruiser. Shut yeah. the front door. I can't do <laughs> <read> that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. <laughs> I got to look that guy up later. Who are we? Have ben Davidson. He played for the more for the Raiders. You see actually some some good film of him. He had some nice chops and oh yeah, that sixties guy. Yeah. Um Steve Wright was an offensive tackle. Dick Himes in, in the early 70s offensive tackle. So some of those earlier names that you read were were beyond me even. That's 72 some, is not a great number. It's the old Dotson episode that's an episode yeah and 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 Dotson was a really good right tackle wasn't he through those Super Bowl years in the in in the 90s you know and had that physique was almost the prototypical physique for a right for a right tackle came from Texas just outside Houston I think went to school at what was then Texas A&I yeah it's not called that anymore yeah it's now Texas A&M Kingsville not even the good Texas A&M no, no. So, so small college was third round pick of the Packers in '93, and like we say, played more than a hundred games for the Packers. You know, a mainstay of that team from from the time he was drafted through to, I guess, the early 2000s, 2002. Yeah, really, really, really good player. You know, one of those, almost one of the unsung heroes, if you like, of the '96, '97 Super Bowl teams. Yeah, two times Super Bowl entrant. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, and a solid guy. Yeah. I started looking at like the, the right tackle tackles that we've had. We've been pretty lucky recently. Like yeah, him and Mark yeah. Tauscher have the same body style, yeah. I would say, yeah. like you were talking about before. That little bit thicker, you know, they don't have to be as athletic on the right side as they do on the left. So they're more they can get out and run block a little bit, maybe a little bit more than the left tackle does. I, I'd say that's Earl Dotson. For sure. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. Thank you for that. Earl Dotson, the guy that I actually knew. So let's talk a little bit about the past playoff games from the weekend. Kind of boring. A lot of the games, and I know people were complaining about the seven versus two matchups were bad. I mean, last night's game, Arizona against the Rams was a four or five matchup, and that was an ugly game too. So you can't really blame the NFL for like, oh, these matchups are terrible. You shouldn't have went to seven teams. Now, I would say you probably shouldn't have went to seven teams because there's only 16 
teams in every conference. Yeah. So almost half of the teams are making it to the playoffs. It dilutes the product. The NBA does it. And th- that first round series is a foregone conclusion. I would say going forward and they won't change it right. The NFL is not going to take that money off the table. There's zero chance that happens. It's one of those things where seven is never going to be two or very, very rarely going to be two. And it would have to be bounce of the ball. Not that they're a better team kind of thing. So which game you want to start with? Start with the first game, which I think was Bengals Raiders. Cincinnati and the Raiders. Yeah. Decent football game. In fact, you know, the Raiders were had the chance to tie that, tie that up right at right at the end. Wasn't wasn't to be. A good football game and and pretty roughly two evenly matched teams. You know, the Bengals slightly better team. And certainly, you know, you, you think with the Bengals with that explosive offense that they've got a chance to put points on it on on anybody. But that was one of the better games of the weekend. And I think we all picked Pick the Bengals to win. Interesting that the Raiders only ran it 14 times in that game. Like that's not the Raider way. Yeah. You know, they they have were more balanced during the season than that. And I get it. You're behind, but when your quarterback throws 54 passes, you're gonna lose that game about 95% of the time. Speaking of the quarterback, I don't know what I think about Derek Carr. I I kind of liken him to Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, yeah where he's going to throw some really nice passes. And then it's going to be like, what was that? You know, some really like, what are you doing right there? Passes. He's Kirk Cousins in the AFC to me. Yeah, that's exactly the name that came that came to my mind. And I think he's one of those guys that you can win with, but he hasn't yet proved that you can win consistently because of. Yes. Um, so you kind of put him in that group 12 to 20 in the NFL but there's probably about 15 players you want to going to put in that in that in that group. Right. You know, it, it's not in the upper echelon, but a guy you can you can win with definitely. You know, I wonder, um, and I don't want to call it reining him in, but I wonder what his quarterback, coach, offensive coordinator. I just feel like there are times you're like that can't be the play you're trying to make right there. Like stop. You you don't have that arm strength, or you don't have whatever it is. It just seems like he makes big mistakes in big time. 310 yards, one pick, one touchdown. Just kind of surprising that they didn't run the ball. I don't know that Darren Waller has been dinged up all year, and I'm sure that they doubled and tripled Darren Waller because why wouldn't you? They have nothing else. The Raiders, Deshaun Jackson, you know, Hunter Renfro is a Cole Beasley-type guy. You know he's not going past like 12 yards. You know what he's going to do. And Zay Jones is average at best. Yeah, and for those reasons, those are the exact reasons why you draft the Henry Ruggs. Yeah, stretch the field. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, a couple of years back. They'll probably do it again, right? Whatever the new GM's name is, he'll probably yeah. have to draft some guy out of Alabama that runs fast in a straight line. <laughs> Jameson Williams. Yeah. Let's talk about the other game because it, <laughs> the Buffalo 47, New England 17. I should not take so much joy in this. but i thought it was very clear that buffalo was running up the score on new england and maybe it's just me maybe i I get a little like salty chippy but i really felt like that 
Like they were running it up on purpose. It appeared to be that way, didn't it? And I kind of struggle with that, except that they pointed out in the commentary that just a few weeks ago, New England put 50 on somebody and went for the two-point conversion when they were, you know, up yeah. 50 to three on Jacksonville or somebody. That's some so, karma right there, Bill yeah, Belichick. Absolutely, absolutely right. And, uh, I mean, you couldn't have been more perfect in offense than the, than, than the Bills were. And that looks like a dangerous, dangerous team to be to be honest, it really, it really does. How foolish am I that I picked against them? Same hand raised. <laughs> there was, you know, there was just something for whatever reason. There was the Bill Belichick factor, I guess, that we just Same thought here. that somehow or other, Bill's going to find a way. Well, the Buffalo Bills found a way. Ah, well said. I love <laughs> that. I just thought it was interesting that when your quarterback is your leading rusher, a lot of the times, and Josh Allen often is. I don't know if that great offense that they had this week is sustainable going forward because I don't know that Devin Singletary can be that guy. If he can be and he can get his 70 to 90 yards rushing, that offense looks really good then. But that hasn't been the case. No, and that's why I guess both of us thought that New England might pull that game out. Mm -hmm. It's been up and down. You know, you also feel that, you know, unless you're Lamar Jackson, having a quarterback run for that number of yards, is just not sustainable. Something happens. The guy gets hurt or it's just, it's just, it's just not, not sustainable. But it's a formula that when Buffalo plays well, that's, that's what happens. You know, Josh Allen rushes for 60, 70, 70 yards, and that seems to be their formula. And like you say, I think Singletary gets the yards, it's Stephon Diggs. It's it's a team that, that could frighten you. They've got a few weapons over there for sure. On the other side, so I have not watched a lot of Mac Jones, and I realize that the weather was abysmal and pretty cold. That guy throws lollipops. He really struggled. And I don't know, again, I'd like to see him throw it in September and see if he's putting more on the football. But I was not impressed with him. I could not believe some of the throws that he was making. They were, I can't explain it other than they were lollipops. They were, they were softballs thrown well, but I can't see him being a high level quarterback over his career. If that's the arm strength he has now as a rookie, I can't. Yeah. And that was, that was the knock on him coming out of Alabama that yes, he won. Yes. He was great at at running the offense, finding the right guy and all of that stuff. But it's the it's the arm you know it's the arm strength it's the release and the arm strength that was always the the big the big question mark. Can you win with it? You can, but you've got to be more perfect if you like to be to be to be able to do that. So I think it's certainly not built to lead teams from behind, and their whole offense is not built to come from behind. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting time in in New England. They need wide receivers too. Their wide receiver core is terrible. Nelson Aguilar wasn't a good receiver anywhere he's ever been. They paid him pretty big money considering his lack of numbers in the past. It almost felt like to me in their offseason, because John U. Smith, right? They they signed him and Hunter Henry. I kind of felt like they were trying to go back to the Aaron Hernandez, Rob Gronkowski mm-hmm. thing. Like, we're going to throw the ball to the tight ends. We don't really need wide receivers that way. It didn't look right. Now, again, they won, what, 12 games this year, 11? I don't know how many they won, so I can't really argue with what they did previous to that. Only they won 10 games, sorry. They had a successful season. I just 
almost feels like smoke and mirrors or Bill Belichick just like <laughs> making it happen through some kind of magic. Result wasn't surprising, even though I picked against Buffalo. The the way that Buffalo just moved that ball up and down the field all day. Was yeah, the like they could have put up 60 in that game. They were very impressive. Pittsburgh, Kansas City. Yeah, I mean, there actually really isn't a lot to say about that. I mean, I mean, Pittsburgh defensively started well early, got the touchdown early, and just for a smidgen of time, you thought maybe, maybe. Is this could be so this could be one of those games where Pittsburgh get almost nothing on offense, but get all the bounce of the ball, cause turnovers or whatever else, and do enough to somehow scrape this game seventeen fourteen or something or something like that, but. It wasn't a B. Kansas City proved they are the Kansas City of the last couple of years. Yeah, it wasn't a slump exactly, just kind yeah. of a lull and things. Yeah, mid-season lull they had for a few games there. They just looked like, to me, they just looked like Kansas City of, of last year without the banged-up offensive line that they had last year. Yeah, um, they look good. You know, the one thing that, interesting isn't the right word, you see the Debo Samuels, you see Tyreek Hill, you start to see receivers coming out of the backfield. Um, Kansas City, was it McKinnon? Is McKinnon a running back or a wide receiver? Like, is he that what we want Amari Rodgers to maybe yeah. be? So I feel like there's a lot of that. Like, that is becoming a trend in the NFL where we're going to run wide receivers, thicker wide receivers, guys with bodies, the Ty Montgomery's, the Amari Rodgers out of the backfield and cause mismatches. And I'm here for that. I think that is really smart because it causes either your linebacker to chase that guy or you then have to take a safety watching guys out of the backfield and then you can run guys down the field. So I think that's a really smart strategy and that's what I was hoping. And it may still be that Amari Rogers becomes, but they have to have that running piece of it too. Yeah. So you keep defenses honest. Yeah. And it's a matchup thing, isn't it? So when you see, you know, the 49ers come out with, with, with Debo, Sam, Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, you're sending out defensive backs to cover those guys. When Debo Samuel's then lining up in the backfield and playing as a running back, which he did for 80% of that game, you know, you're creating a, a, you know, a matchup issue for the defense. And I absolutely agree. And I, and, I, and I guess we thought that, not quite the same, but we thought that Tyler Irvin would give the Packers a little bit of that and kind of did for, for a little while, but his was more not so much lining up in the backfield as, as as running those jet sweeps and stuff. But it's interesting to see. And when we get to talk about the 49ers more at the Cowboys game, um, I think we'll touch on that a bit more. But yeah, exactly that. I mean, it, it's now about guys being really versatile. Going the other way and putting a wide receiver in the backfield that can take the ball on a handoff or a pitch or whatever is more valuable than, than sticking a running back out wide. It's something we can talk about going forward. But Kansas City was awesome in this game. Patrick Mahomes, 404 yards, five touchdowns. It looked like old Patrick Mahomes. Being if I'm a betting man, which I am not, it's hard to bet against these guys, especially if their defense comes to play. Let's leave San Francisco for last since we're going to play them. Let's talk Tampa Bay, Philadelphia, which was a really dull football game. Yeah. When you get that kind of matchup and you talked about it, two versus seven, if you're the seven, you've got to get ahead early. You can't, well, let's put it, turn that round. You can't fall behind early. You can't fall behind two scores. That's what happened, and Philadelphia were, ne- were never in that game. They just looked bad, and I know they scored points towards the end that made the final score look respectable, but it was probably the worst 
performance of all the playoff teams, I think. It was the worst game, I think, of all the playoff games this past weekend. And it's difficult to judge from that what Tampa Bay are. I would just say Tampa Bay looked like Tampa Bay do. You know, it, it, yeah. that's who they are. And Tom Brady is who he is. And that was just a, a, a typical Tom Brady game. Yeah, they dominated that game. As much as I hate to say nice things about Tampa Bay and Tom Brady, it wasn't close from the beginning. Like I said on Twitter, I was painting the bathroom and I came down in Philadelphia. It was down two touchdowns. I was like, this game is over. They're not built for that. They're a running football team. They need to keep the game close. They need to run the football and run defenses into the ground. And then they seem to pull away like that when they do win games. Their defense is pretty good, not spectacular, but pretty good. If you'd been watching your paint dry, it would have been more exciting than that. Game. Yeah, I was, and I wasn't watching the game at the same time, but you're probably right. <laughs> it does beg the question about Jalen Hurts. Can he play? He can play. Is he in the right situation? You've talked about it before. I don't have thoughts on Jalen Hurts. I watched a little bit of that game and, you know, when you're coming from behind and you're playing from behind and you're one-dimensional, it's hard to judge a quarterback on that. I have my questions. And he's young, and he can still be a better quarterback going forward, but I have questions that he is the answer in Philadelphia. I agree with that. I mean, it's one of those situations, isn't it, I think, where 2022 is going to be a kind of telltale year for Jalen Hurts on where his career goes. We'll see. Let's talk about last night's game. I need to look up Kyler Murray's quarterback rating. At one point I looked it up because Todd was, I asked Todd if he was watching the game and he was not, he was working. He was interviewing or whatever for a GM job. And he, uh, he's like, no. And I said, I think Kyler Murray is going to have the worst quarterback rating of all time in a playoff game. When I looked, his quarterback rating was 10.7. Now he improved on that. I think you can like not complete a pass and have like a quarterback rating in the 30s or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, Kyler Murray, 40.9. Terrible. It had to have been one of his worst games as a pro. He looked like he had no idea what to do out there. And I know he was scatting around trying to get away from guys, but wow, was he bad in this game. I think they mixed in that offensive performance with the Rams that were really rolling on on offense and they did really roll on offense and I think what we what we got was pretty much the Cardinals that have played the last six seven games of the season not the same team since the Packers beat them um, knocked them off the unbeaten perch and we got the Rams that were the Rams in the first two or three games of the season that's kind of what that what that looked like and that Rams offense those three wide receivers and the running game if they get it going that's a powerful-looking offense. And I, and I know that they've had to overcome some interceptions from Matthew Stafford in, in some of the games this year, kind of around mid-season. You know, he had a spell of games where he was throwing interceptions, particularly in the first quarter of games that was taking them out of games. But Stafford looked good. I thought the Rams were really impressive, albeit coupled with Arizona that was less than impressive, I guess. Yeah, that was a tale of two teams going in absolutely opposite directions. The Cardinals going into the toilet and the Rams going back to what we thought they were going to be when Matthew Stafford signed with them yeah. before the season started. I just want to go through this once. And, and 
I just want to go through the Cardinals skill position guys. James Conner, retread. Chase Edmonds, average at best player. Kyler Murray is throwing the ball to Eno Benjamin, Christian Kirk, Rondell Moore, who might be something, but he's a rookie. Zach Ertz, who's on the back end of his career. A.J. Green, who is terrible. Daryl Daniels and Antoine Wesley. There isn't a marquee. Well, A.J. Green used to be a marquee name, but he's well past that time. Zach Ertz was a marquee tight end. He's well past that time. Like they don't skill wise. They don't have a lot. It's not Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon. That's for sure. Like, I don't know what they expect Kyler Murray to do because there's no threat to run the football with those two guys, with Edmonds and Connor. So you're a throw-happy team throwing to guys who are not elite. Their leading receiver in this game was Christian Kirk, who is a good player. I'm not going to say he's not, but he's no Devontae Adams. They do not have a one receiver on that team. On the other side of the ball, it's OBJ, Cooper Cup, Cam Akers. Like, that's those skill position players on the Rams are far better than what the Cardinals have. I think it came down to that. And Matthew Stafford didn't throw it to the wrong team. That's the game. Kyler Murray threw it to the wrong team. Matthew Stafford did not blow out win. To a degree, you know, the the, the Cardinals, uh, they picked, uh, was it Josh Rosen in the draft three, four years ago? They gave up on him to take Kyler Murray. The question marks about Kyler Murray are always going to be around size. Yeah, and and there's ways that you compensate from that. You move you move him around, you get him outside the pocket, you get a good running game. And when James Connor's on and they and they utilize him, there's a decent back. But they didn't do didn't seem to do any of that stuff on Monday night. Some of that will surely be, of course, that the Rams didn't allow them to do some of that stuff. Aaron Donald and those guys up front. There's big question marks around around who the real Arizona Cardinals are. Are they the team that jumped out to the whatever it was? I can't remember. Something I know. Whatever it was. Or are they the team that finished finished the season? And you tend to think that teams are the team that finishes the season, but big question marks there. But you can fake it for a while, but the NFL comes back to catch up to you. They catch up to you in a hurry. If you have deficiencies, everybody's watching that tape. Everybody tries to pick those deficiencies and, and beat you with those. And that whole delay draw that they did almost exclusively to Connor clearly wasn't working. And they kept doing it over and over and over again. It's like, um, that's not going to be it. You're running right into the middle of the best part of their defense, their defensive line. And it just didn't work. And that's why they scored 11 points and got smashed by the Rams. Let's move on to the important game. San Francisco 23, Dallas 17. What are your initial thoughts coming out of that game? I thought Dallas would win that game. Maybe not comfortably, but I thought they'd win by a touchdown or 10 points. I thought it would be that kind of 31-21, that kind of game for Dallas. Because I thought the Dallas offense going into the game, you look at those receivers, Cooper, Lamb, the third receiver, Wilson, the tight end, Tony Pollard. Ezekiel Elliott. Zeke, Dak Prescott. I felt that that, that that's a good it's a good offense. It's shown itself to be a good offense for the majority of the season. And defensively, whilst they've given up a lot of yards, they've forced a lot of turnovers, a lot of takeaways. And I, and I just felt that Dallas would be too good. Um, from a Dallas perspective, when you commit 14 penalties and 14 of 
many of the strangest penalties that you've ever committed that were penalties, you know, multiple holding penalties on the defensive line, which you hardly ever see called. There were a bunch of them, like, yeah. right in a row. Yeah, yeah. You know, crucial penalties, crucial times of the game, you know, hands-to-the-face penalty. They really did shoot themselves in the foot, and that's – I haven't even got to the last to the last drive yet. Conversely, I thought the 49ers were good. We touched on it earlier. Debo Samuel, using him, lined up as a running back for – I don't know what percentage, but it felt like 80% of the time he was lined up in the backfield. That San Francisco – I hate to say this, playing the Packers this coming week – that San Francisco running game looked really good. That's a concern for me for, for this Saturday. Jimmy G was Jimmy G. That's you. We're always going to get this pretty much the same performance. It was a surprising result to me, except that I think Dallas pretty much did it to themselves. I would totally agree. Not only were there a lot of bad penalties, and clearly they teach that, right? I'm gonna, we're going to hold the linemen. Our defensive linemen are going to hold because that shouldn't happen more than once a game. You might do that. Yep. Like when you're beat on a play and try to destroy the play, but it, it happened multiple times. The other thing, as far as the undisciplined play goes, they were getting real chippy, like they were losing their temper. And they were still sort of in the game. And they were kind of, was it digs on the sideline where they had a, the coach had to pull them away? It was like, dude, you made a mediocre play and you're right in that guy's face. That should have been a taunting penalty. It seemed like, Mike McCarthy and that staff had lost this team at some point. I don't know how to explain it, but it just felt like the penalties and the loss of composure or control emotionally, that's a problem. That's a coaching problem. That's something you've allowed or something that you encourage. It's one of the two. Dallas should have won this game and played poorly and lost this game rather than San Francisco winning it. San Francisco was San Francisco. They ran it almost 40 times in this game, and that is terrifying for next week. And it's something we can talk about. But it wasn't like they were breaking off, you know, seven, eight, ten-yard chunks like they did against the Packers in the NFC Championship game. They had some nice plays, but they just consistently ran the football over and over and over again. Like you said, Jimmy G is Jimmy G. He's not going to be special. He's not a special quarterback. He's not going to wow you with anything. He'll make the big throw, but I also think he'll make the big mistake. He did it in this game. He threw a really bad pick in this game. They started the momentum shifting back to Dallas late. I think everything that can be said about the last drive has been said. Do you uh, think it was a play call? In that situation. Well, and, and that's what I was going on to say. I don't know whether that's a call that's the, the play that was sent in, whether, whether Dax audible to that, whether Dax as the play's being run, decided to run it? I don't, I don't know. But with 14 seconds left, you've got to be really good. Let's forget all the stuff about the official spot in the ball and whatever else. You're taking one hell of a risk that the clock runs out. If you run that play, then Dak's got to get down after seven or 10 yards at the most because you have to know the clock's going to run out. And I'm, you know, I'm not interested in complaining about the official was too slow to get there. And that, that's just... You don't put it in that situation. I guess I don't understand just not taking two shots for the end zone from the 40-yard line. You may even get three because you may get a six-second play and a six-second play and you've still got two seconds left on the clock. The percentages for me seem to be in favour of taking shots at the end zone from that point 
rather than A, risking that you'd even get that playoff and B, then you've only got one shot anyway. It was a really strange, whether it was called from the sideline or not, it's a very strange play in that. Now, I understand San Francisco wasn't playing the sideline and then did and basically had the sideline with two guys stacked and it would have been very difficult to get a throw to the sideline and get out of bounds. I get that. Let's say Dak Prescott does run in for eight yards, slides, gets the ball to the official, they spike it. At best, are they on the 30? That's not significantly better. No. You're still trying to throw a ball 30 yards, 35 yards in the air into a tight window where they're sitting back at the goal line or in the end zone. That hook and ladder play that they was, that was in the Dallas game, right? That they, yeah. yeah, Why not do that? Because then you're throwing it to the middle of the field and you may get a chance to get when guys converge, you, I would have done that again. That would have been the play call from me. I'm going to throw a 15 yard out or whatever, or 15 yard in and try to lateral that ball. And there's no perfect play call. I get that. Whatever you're trying may not work. Yeah. But right, running it up the middle, you're Dak Prescott. You're not Lamar Jackson. You know, everybody's coming down on Mike McCarthy. Oh, he can't manage to clock or whatever. And if it was his call from the sideline, I'd say it's leopard and spots. Like, that's the guy. But I don't know that for certain. So yeah. I, I can't hang it on Mike McCarthy's head there. So let's talk a little bit about San Francisco going forward. Offensively, Jimmy Garoppolo, the quarterback, Two really good wide receivers in Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, who hasn't really come to, you know, that elite level that we thought, but good player. George Kittle, which will give me nightmares all week. He didn't have a great game, and they didn't target him much, which I thought was a little bit strange. And then the uh, fullback, whatever, however you say his name, Juice Check or whatever. Juice Check. Yeah. Like, there are some guys, again, we talked about Arizona, None of those guys really scared me. I look at San Francisco, even though they were the sixth seed, seems to have more skilled position talent than other teams. And I, I, I worry about, again, the Debo Samuel out of the backfield, the Brian and Ayuk out of the backfield, Elijah Mitchell, just a guy. But if you feed that guy and your offensive line is churning out yards, it doesn't have to be someone special. He had 27 carries for 96 yards. That's just, I'm going to punch you in the face over and over with this guy. And that's kind of the Kyle Shanahan way. Like, we're going to do what we do. You just have to stop us from doing it. This is a team that really worries me just by the nature of that offense. The Packers traditionally, at least over the last half decade or so, have struggled with the tight ends, struggled to cover tight ends. It's almost felt this season like George Kittle's had a down year until you realise the guy caught 71 passes for nearly 1,000 yards, 910 yards, with not catching so many passes in the last three or four weeks. So, so George Kittle was back to his you know, back to his best this year. And you're right to have nightmares. That guy will give us nightmares, particularly in a close game. Packers haven't yet found the guy or found a way to cover that tight end. Or was it um, Mark Andrews of the Ravens a few weeks ago gave the Packers defence absolute fits? Couple that with the 49ers running game. Some of this is just hangover, I guess, from 2019. But until such time as I see the Packers stop that running game, I'm still going to sit here thinking they may not be able to stop that running game. The 49ers running game to me isn't predictable. In 2019, it probably wasn't predictable either, except that they didn't need 
to be unpredictable against right. the Packers in that in that game. You know, they ran similar plays, which was successful. But my fear, my big fear about this game is that, is that the 49ers start ripping off eight yards on first down. And you're left in those second and short situations all day long, which is a freebie to any, to any offense because you can run any play on second and short. You can run another running play, pick up the first down. You can, you can, you know, you can run post routes and, and and get those guys just just down the field on nine routes, just verticals. Whatever you want to run, you can run it on second and short. And that's the thing that really scares the life out of me. Can the Packers stop the 49ers running game on first down? And I think first down is going to be really, really crucial. It's crucial in every game, but I think even more so in this one. Because you want to put, the way the cards are falling, you want to put that 49ers team into passing downs you want to do it anyway with jimmy g but you also want to do it with hopefully the packers get z smith back they get whitney merciless back those guys are not going to play full time but you hope they're going to be out there touch wood on those passing downs the whole thing seems to be around get them into third and five into third and eight into third and ten you know and and get merciless and smith and smith and gary and clark after the quarterback I think this is a, the offense needs to click from the beginning and put pressure on the 49ers. I think that's how they're going to stop the running game by forcing them to pass because the offense that day, the Packers offense that day is unstoppable. I don't know if the Packers can stop the running game of San Francisco. All the things you said too, with George Kittle and Debo coming out of the backfield, like those are things the Packers are going to struggle with, struggle with, and they have struggled with all year long. This is not something that they're, that we don't know. We know that's what they struggle with. I think we had to stay out front all game long because when San Francisco starts to run it, if they get ahead, then there's that frustration of we have to stop this now. And that, then you start to press on offense too. This is a recipe that mm, I hate to say it. That is the concern. And, and, and if their running game starts to get momentum, then you're bringing the eighth guy up into the box. And before you know it, George Kittle's open in the middle of the field and, and Kittle's turning a five-yard pass in the middle of the field to, into 35 yards before you know it. And it does. It, the frustration starts starts to build. So, yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. If the Packers' offense can come out and go bam, bam, score, 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 that's an ideal world. But that's the way you completely take the running game out, out of the game. And hopefully they can. Let's go down. Let's take the ball first. Let's go down and score and put pressure on them immediately. And we've talked about it before. We talked about when Devondre Campbell didn't play. Middle of the field was wide open. That is a Devondre Campbell versus George Kittle or whoever's running down the middle of the field all day long. If he wins that battle, they win this football game. I don't want to just put it on one guy, but if that one guy, Devondre Campbell, plays an elite football game, the Packers will win this game. That's my opinion. So should we do score predictions? Playoffs makes me a little nervous. There's no way in hell I am going, oh, that's the first time I cussed, I think, the entire episode. <laughs> It is. Is that a cuss word? Yeah, we, we already said it was. I will go first. Again, I will not pick against the Packers in the playoffs. I can't do that to myself. It's bad juju. That said, it's gonna. this is going to be a very close football game. I am going to be stressed from about Thursday on 
and it will not stop until the Packers win this game 28-27. I would be a mess during the entire game. Watch out, Twitter, in case things go south. I can't bring myself to pick against the Packers, but I'm very concerned. I think the Packers win this game 24-21. I'm not saying that with any amount of certainty. All right. Any closing thoughts before we well, do you want Do you want to quickly pick the other... The other games, or yeah, sure, why not? So, so let's start other... with let's start in the AFC, Buffalo, Kansas City. Oh my oh. god, you want to go first? You want me to go first? <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll go. I'll go first. So Buffalo, Kansas City is on Sunday. I'm gonna go with the upset here, and I think that Buffalo knocks off Kansas City in a close in a close game. I think it's gonna be like fifty to forty eight in that game. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be offenses run amok. I haven't thought too deeply into this, but I don't think so for Buffalo. Like I said, when we were talking about them, I don't know if they can run the ball enough. And I think that's their downfall. I think that Kansas City wins to close game. I'll say uh, 38-35. Like, I think it's going to be that high scoring. I don't think either team will stop each other more than one or two times the entire game. So then it must be... Cincinnati. Cincinnati at Tennessee on at Saturday. Tennessee. I forgot about Tennessee because they didn't play. <laughs> yeah, I think Tennessee wins this game. It's an odd one because you look at Tennessee and you don't find a lot of superstars on that team with Derek Henry being out. And he may be back for the playoffs at some point. We don't know. But I think that Tennessee is a good all-round football team playing at home. I think they'll beat Cincinnati by touchdown. For me, it really depends on Derrick Henry. They are the one seed without him, essentially. So I should give them more credit than I am giving them right now. I'm going to say Tennessee wins 30-27. Although my playoff picks have been freaking terrible, Peter. Three (laughs) and three I was. All my mojo ruined, you know, had it in this regular season. But, man, in the playoffs. And all all I can say is Todd was 6-0 and and half. And our followers were six and hour as well. All of those responded <laughs> to, our, to our polls. What can I? What they were can right, I? and I was way wrong, way wrong. So, so, so the other NFC game, the Rams at the Bucks. Ooh, I would love to see the Rams win this game. I would. I would rather play the Rams all day long, despite what we talked about the whole Tom Brady thing. I just, uh, yeah. At the end of the day, Tom Brady is a closer. Even when he plays poorly, like he did in the NFC Championship against the Packers last year, they somehow found a way. Tom Brady team somehow find a way. I think that Matt Stafford comes back to the mean, and I think he throws an interception or two in this game, and I think it's Bucks. And I don't think it's a high-scoring game. I think it's like 27-20. My head says Bucks. My heart says Rams. I'm going to go with my heart, and I'm going to say that this Ram- the Rams team are going to be the team that Played last week and played at the beginning of this season. I'm going for the upset again by not very many points. A field goal or so. I'm going to go with the Rams. But again, that might just be my heart or, or, wish, or wishful thinking of what I want to have happen. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That does sound like wishful thinking, doesn't it? It does. <laughs> All right. So that's it. Thanks for listening to episode 72A. Of the Average Cheese Podcast. <laughs> go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. So welcome back. This will be 72B, the second half of the Earl Dotson episode, where Todd and I talk Packers 49ers. 
It's kind of, I don't remember what episode we did this in, but we've had to split episodes because we're busy people. Yeah. We have jobs and shit. It was a while, yeah. But we did do we did do this once before. Todd, I have to make up. I swore one time with wow. Peter. I saw I saw. <laughs> fucking terrible. Yeah, he has that effect on us. <laughs> yeah, he's such a, a good dude. I can't cuss in front of him. Yeah. Can't do it. All right, so 72B, the Earl Dotson second half episode. It's good to see you, by the way. Yeah, it's been a while. I don't know. I've just been busy as shit. Yeah, interviewing for GM jobs and stuff. How was Miami when you were uh, interviewing for the Miami uh, head coaching position down there? They want me. I mean, who wouldn't? <laughs> right. You know? I mean, they're, if they're smart, they want you there. Right. I have to consider all the offers. Well, know? and I, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but I know you've had multiple trips lately, so I don't want to. Right. Right. I, don't, I don't want your negotiations to break down because, you know, I, on the average cheese, have just let the cat out of the bag. So let's just stop there. I apologize for that. I can always cut it out if need be. If you don't take oh, the no, job you're in good. Miami. You're good. You're okay. All right. Just, uh, you know, busy. Just a busy guy. Yeah, That's yeah. It. So thanks to Rhonda at r Management and thanks to Dwight at ddgcustoms.com. Todd, I, I didn't tell you this, but I have talked to Dwight about making us some music for our intro. Oh, yeah. I'm going to really? meet him next week over sodas so we can have an intro and an outro that are not breaking copyright <laughs> laws. <laughs> no, they won't. Maybe. I mean, well, yeah, they won't. Because Dwight will make it and he will not have it copyrighted unless, you know, we copyright it. Yeah, that dude's cool. I, I enjoyed hanging out with him. I love man. Yes. He's yeah. an awesome dude. Should be sick. I have a feeling like after seeing like what he does with shoes and everything, you just know like everything that dude produces is kind of top notch, you know, it got some flavor behind it. So hundred percent. Yeah. He's produced a CD for real. Him and his cousin. It's on iTunes. I doubt it. Yeah. Super dude. And we also, so I know I'm just going all over, which is what I do. This is part of the fucking podcast. I need you to go through the episodes and figure out what you want. your like blurb or you're saying, cause we're going to cut out the Packer stuff. Cause that is also copyrighted by oh, the shit. That's right. Yes, so you have to figure that out. Maybe we could just have like, there's got to be like some type of like, I wish we could hit a button for coins. No, yeah. I like throwing a quarter in, man. It's old school like we are. So like blurbs of what, of shit that we've said? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so go through and listen to all 72 episodes. What if people some- only listen to us because our intro is so fucking good? Yeah, well, this then- one's going to be good too. I already know what mine, well, some well, of my man has the music, yeah. Yeah. And we're good. All right. You can find us on Twitter and 1001. If you have found us on Twitter at AVG cheese, you can email us AVG cheese at gmail.com. And Todd, we have to talk about www.avgcheese.com. We need to make that happen too. That's going to happen soon. How are we doing that? You're fucking paying for it. dude. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'll, uh... Apparently, I'm also the finance department. Yes, you are. <laughs> you're the CFO. Will, uh, among, you're the HR department. Yep. You are the special brand. teams coordinator. You are the brand development brand. manager. Yep. You need to start putting these titles in the bio. Yeah. For our Twitter. <laughs> anyway. yeah. All right. I'll get with uh, accounts payable in the morning. Very good. Make it happen. 
And shout out to our thousandth follower. I'm going to butcher this fucking name for sure. Michael Shane Lieber. I reached out to him on Twitter. I'm going to send him a t-shirt. I'd say Schoen Lieber. Schoen Lieber? Right. Well, Michael, when you listen to this episode, you can send me a DM and tell me what a fucking dumbass I am. Did you you announce his name on, on Twitter? I did not. And maybe I should have asked him before I put it in the episode if it was cool to say his name. Well, too late now. <laughs> he's getting a free, free fucking t-shirt out of it. So yeah, he's getting a t-shirt. So that's something. Yeah. Now he's famous. How many do we have? I don't know. I got like 20 something left. I've given away a bunch, man. Not giving away, but um, yeah. you got a bunch of folks. And by the way, related to that, thanks to Jack. So Jack listened to the last episode where I said I paid $10 to send his t-shirt to Sheboygan and he sent me another $10 to put in the pot for Habitat for Humanity. So thank you, Jack. That's wow. fucking awesome. You're Super awesome. Nice. I would have been happy to eat that $10, but I will put your extra $10 in for Habitat. So that's cool. We might not only have a we might only have a thousand followers, but we got we got good peeps. We got a absolutely solid group. Good gang. And if you want an average cheese t-shirt, reach out to me in the DMs. And I will send you one. We'll call it $20. That will cover shipping. Didn't Dwight do those too? Dwight did not do these. (laughs) But he could have. Yeah. (laughs) He didn't do these. Because he's so damn busy with all the other stuff that he's done. I'm like, dude, I need 50 t-shirts. He's like, when do you want those? 2025? Like, I don't have time. He's too busy doing all kinds of other stuff. So, Todd, you were a perfect 6-0. Round one of the playoffs. And that surprises who? No I mean, one. Come on. of course. I shit the bed. I went three and three. Apparently, I blew my mojo in the regular season and my playoffs. Not <laughs> so did you? Well, you must have picked Dallas. I picked Dallas yeah. and Arizona. I don't remember the other game I got wrong. I've already repressed it way back in my memory, so I don't remember any of that shit. Like it didn't happen. I know. I know something else we could bring up right now. McCarthy. Let's go. McCarthy. Speaking of Dallas, what are your thoughts on that? Go ahead. What are your thoughts <sighs> on Mike McCarthy? Uh, well, you saw the end of the game, right? I mean, I, I, I saw I saw the replays like over and over and over. When I first saw it, the replay, I thought that I kind of caught it as it was already replaying. I thought that Prescott was pressured and ran up the middle because of the pressure. And then I saw it a few more times and I realized that looked like they called that a quarterback draw. And then I found out they did call a quarterback draw. And I'm like, Huh? What was left? Like 13 seconds or something? Yeah, 13, 14 seconds, something like that. And he was already back there. He already burned a few seconds when he dropped back because it was weird because he it almost seems like he dropped back and paused. But man, when you got 13 seconds and you're going to call a quarterback draw, I mean, I get that you're you're trying to fake the the defense into thinking that you're dropping back the pass and then you just run. So you kind of got to pause. But that call in general, man, holy shit. I don't know that that was. I don't think that was the right call at all. It lost him the game. I don't know. There's there's a lot going on there. I think. My initial thought was that Dak ran that on his own, and then when uh, it came out like that he called the play, like that he decided like, to run, audible or decided like this is the play we're going to run because the middle of the field was wide open. And like I, yeah. it was a stupid decision because let's say everything goes right. Dak runs for eight yards, slides. They get the ball to the official immediately. They spike it. They still got a 30-yard throw to the end zone. Yeah. 
Like, why does that play make sense at all? Yeah. That I don't get. I don't get the run at all. And kind of surprised that he didn't get fired just because. Well, he still could, right? He could. Yeah. It just kind of reminded me of going back to his final day, final years in Green Bay, just like his game management faltering all over the place. Yeah, that was bad. They won, they won 12 games. It's really hard. But Jimmy Johnson got fired after winning a Super Bowl in Dallas. So it wouldn't be unprecedented to fire a successful coach. Who would want to fucking coach in Dallas for Jerry Jones? Like, Right. Not until he, yeah. until he steps down or steps away. I think he's part of the problem there. And I, I never got to comment on, um, I haven't been on, I haven't done a podcast since the Gary uh, nine and a half sack total. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. It's over. The bet's over with. I'm not extending it to next year. Okay. It is your right. The bet has gone for two years, and he got an extra game this season to do it. Bet's off, dude. I'm not eating paper. Congratulations to you. I'm not eating paper. I got to to figure out something else. Maybe it'll be him. I'll pick on him again, maybe. I'll figure it out. I'll pick on someone. All right. But the bet's off. Bet's off. I gave him two seasons. Couldn't get to a double-digit sack total, and he got an extra game out of it. Come on. And he was a starter this year. Come on, dude. Got all kinds of snaps. He did have over 80 pressures this season, which I think was second in the league. You know, we don't have to have this conversation because you and I are on the same page. It's time for him to put those pressures and make them into sacks. That's the next jump he has to make next year. He's no longer a bust. No one can call him a bust with it, with the year that he had nine and a half sacks and 80 something pressures. That's elite. Now, he's not elite, but that's elite numbers for this year. It's pretty hard to call him a bust at this point. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't call him a bust. I wouldn't. And I didn't have to eat paper over it. So you won and the rest of the world lost on that. Yes, indeed. I did. And I was 6-0 over the weekend. Yeah, you're on a hot streak, brother. Now you're going to take the Miami head coaching job, and I'm going to have to go find a third host for the average year. Yep. You can still come on, right, Tuesday nights? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can, you know, after I go over some film, I'll carve out some time. Well, that's appreciated. Well, Kingsley Kiki, who I thought was going to have a lot of time on his hands, cut by the Packers, signed by the Texans today. Thoughts on Kingsley Kiki and that whole strange mess that really no one has any idea what's going on about? As I was uh, writing up the episode, I was just kind of like browsing the Internet for some other Packer news and stuff. And I saw that. I was like, huh? What? Why? It's weird, too, because there was nothing leading up to him. You know, it wasn't like the guy. It's pretty kind of a quiet professional, right? Kind of, He hasn't had. Yeah, he's been a serviceable player. Yeah, but serviceable at best, yeah. right? Like he hasn't been. I mean, last year he had four sacks and he kind of thought, OK, yeah, maybe, maybe he's this... making a you know, come up or whatever. He's going to be better this year. He was not. But there hasn't been the off field issues that we know of. There hasn't right. been locker room issues that we know of. I mean, usually that stuff, if there's some stuff going on, either personal life or professional life or something, some, somewhere along the line, if you're a problem, that information is going to leak out at some point. To my knowledge, it has never, you, you don't ever hear shit about that guy. No. That's why it's like shocked the shit out of me. And I was like, holy fuck, what's going on here? Right. He had 23 tackles this year in 12 right. games. That's yeah. two, two per game. He had two and a half sacks. He didn't really do much. Is he a loss? I don't think so. 
just a guy. Just isn't it a strange move though? Like before the playoffs and stuff. Like yes. I mean, it's it's not like he's you know like been injured and like been a problem and like all this other shit. But just out of nowhere, like right before the playoff game, they cut him. I think it's strange because we don't know what happened. Like there was no, like you said, no off the field blow up. There was no on the field blow up with a coach. There was none of that stuff. If there was something internally, he was cut for that. But I think it's the timing is because we need to find room for guys that are coming off of IR. Right. Like Cobb, right? Cobb should be coming back too. And like all those dudes, right? I get that, but he... He's a starter. He's not a dude on the like on the bubble, right? Yeah. So it's it's strange, man. It's really weird. Yeah, he started eight games this year. So it wasn't like he was that 53rd right. guy, like you said. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, good luck to him in Houston. They're going to be shit team like they always are. But maybe he'll figure out what's going on and his career will get better. Like we were just talking about, we now have a bunch of guys coming off of IR. We expect them to play maybe in this game. Let's start with Bakhtiari. All right. He has not practiced the last couple of days. He played against the Lions, and then he has been a no-show at practice. He did not practice Wednesday and, I think, Thursday this week. Limited on Wednesday, did not practice Thursday, did not practice Tuesday. Listed as questionable. Did he tweak something in the Detroit game? I wonder. Remember he went out? He pulled himself out, which should have been some kind of, like, indication that, fuck. I remember the you know, seeing him on the sideline. But he looked okay. He looked happy, like, oh, <laughs> everything's good. But he plays this yeah, week. Yeah, I think so. This think is a defensive line that, you know, if Boza plays, they, they got a pretty good defensive line. Boza's banged up, too. I mean, yeah. he's, gonna, he's Boza's supposed to play. play. I don't know. I, I think so. I, I think he, I think they probably just are being cautious and he's probably in for treatment. And on the other side, Billy Turner, according to Coach Lafleur, is good to go. Wow, good to go is like gonna play starting. So what? Okay, so let's go over the offensive line. Yeah, Tiari. Then it's kind of a question mark. Runyon. Right? Is it Runyon? Because I thought I, I saw somewhere that Patrick was gonna move Runyon out of the way, but that doesn't make sense it's to got, me. I think I think Runyon's the, the left side. Okay, yeah. then Josh Myers will be back. Which and if Runyon plays left know. guard, then it's Patrick at right guard. Yeah, I would think Billy Turner. That's what I would like to see. Who, who else would option in there? Again, if I heard this right, and I'm mistaken more often than I am right, I thought I heard that Patrick was going to replace Runyon, which would then make it Bakhtiari, Patrick, Myers, Newman, mm. Turner. Oh, wow. Which I don't like, by the way. I would rather have Runyon at left guard and Patrick at yeah, right guard same. than Patrick and Newman. Yeah. I thought I thought Turner was done for the season, man. Guess not, brother. We right. need you, big fella. Yep. Absolutely do. Yep. Zadarius Smith, you know, both practiced. They got to be activated tomorrow in order to play Saturday. What do you see from those two guys? What do you expect out of those? Let's say they play. From who? Smith and who? Smith and Merciless. Sorry. Mm, I don't think either of them would start. I mean, it would be limited, you know, probably. They, they've got to fit into the different um, defensive schemes, I think, right? Third down. 
or whatever. I, I don't know what Merciless is. I never really got to see much of him to, to understand like what his game is, what his sort of specialty is, but I'm sure Barry's got a plan for those two guys as far as the rotation to like make sure their snaps are limited. It's going to be cold as a motherfucker. So yeah. Yeah. You're, you, you want your guys out there hitting, but hitting other dudes and, and blowing up dudes takes a toll on you too. So in the rotation for sure. Awesome. And what I think is going to happen is Zadarius Smith is going to play on very obvious passing downs. Mm-hmm. And I think Merciless will too. Now, Merciless wasn't getting more than 10, 15 snaps in a game anyway. So I would like to impactful. see. Him. It was impactful. Yeah, no, right. No, I think he's a great pickup. But I'm just saying, like, why would he play more than the 10 to 15 snaps? That That's what I'm saying. I think that that's yeah. his sweet spot, especially coming off a of biceps injury. I think it's game situation and, you know, snaps for those guys. Yeah, for both of those guys. Right. Yeah. Uh, MVS was doubtful today. He was. He, or he the, is doubtful. You know, I fucking I think know out of that whole. I know. Just out of that whole group, I think he's probably the most. Yeah, like you said, doubtful of the of of all of them. I don't know. It was his. Wasn't his back? Yeah, I don't even fucking know. I don't know, but God bless it. Like that's so strange. You you got to have a deep threat to stretch that defense, man. I totally agree. And, and, I mean, he's really the only one. There's no one else. I mean, you've got Lazard, but he's – and he's come on lately in this season. He isn't, he isn't the deep deep ball threat. Cobb should come back, right? Yes. In this game? It's like that's the guy I'm looking for on third down. Having those three guys out there, Lazard, Cobb, and Devontae Adams on third down, that's really – that's going to impact the offense for sure. Having guys that can sit down in the zone, get open in, in those little those spots that they haven't been able to mm. when Randall Cobb was out, that's a big thing. Yeah, I mean, they've – LaFleur's, you know, the whole – the way they've managed all the injuries and everything this year and to have the year that they had and to be rolling into the playoffs, getting guys back, that's like – that's pretty rare. I wonder what about – what about Alexander? Is he going to be like a rotation too? He is questionable for Saturday. I mean, I, I, he's going to play. I think he's going to play. I think so, too. But I don't think he's going to go all game, right? But. I don't know. Guess we'll see. It's a shoulder thing, right? And it, the problem is it's Debo Samuel and, and Brandon Ayuk, which are pretty big dudes. It's not like they're Devontae Smith skinny. Dudes. But you might need that speed out there, too. Agreed. I hope he plays. I think he will play. Yeah. I think if he plays, he's going to be out there on snap one. All right, let's talk Packers 49ers since we already kind of started anyway. <laughs> Last time they met, Packers 30, 49ers 28. Last yeah. second field goal. Mm-hmm. That was a very tight game. I know that was a – it was like 30 years ago. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I know I'm getting old because I'm like – I was thinking back. I was like, did they even play yet this year? And I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. And then when I, I watched the recap, I was like, holy fuck, that game. Now I do remember that game. It was, it was fucking close. Yes. I mean, man. Right, yep. Rodgers had to bring him back with like 40 seconds left or something like that. Yep. 37, I think it was 30. Yeah, 37 seconds left. Came through a really deep ball to Devontae. Devontae had a huge game in that game. Crosby kicked game. a 51 yarder to win it. And that Easy. was almost blocked. Right. I mean, inches away. 
from our wonderful special fucking teams. <laughs> now Tanyan won't be out there to mess that whole thing up. So whoever they have out on that end, hopefully they they are better than Tanyan. But yeah, that was a close ass game. I was looking over like some of the stats and shit from the last time. The Packers did run for 100 yards. That was nice. Combined from Jones and Dylan. The one thing that kind of stuck out to me too was, um, you know, we did, I think we've been talking all year about how the Packers have pretty much, there's certain games where they've dominated the time of possession, but they usually almost always, almost in all their games, they have the advantage of time of possession. This one, when I looked at it, I was like, oh shit. I mean, it was super close. The Packers had 30 minutes and eight seconds and the Niners had 29 minutes and 52 seconds. That's essentially equal, right? You can't yeah. get much closer than seconds that. seconds difference. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, we can't have that again. You know, we just cannot allow that. Local radio here in Wisconsin, it has not been as positive as you would expect for the number one seeded Green Bay Packers. There are a lot of people worried, and I am worried too. This is a good 49ers football team. They've won eight of their last ten. I mean, this is this is a team at least trending upwards, you know, relative to going backwards. This is a good football team, and their strengths are, seem to be our weaknesses. There's a lot of reasons to have some trepidation about this game. Another interesting matchup is Shanahan and LaFleur, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that, that in and of itself are two head coaches who know each other so well. So if you remember back, LaFleur – kind of got his break into the into the NFL via the Shanahan's. Mm-hmm. And I think him and Kyle actually were assistants together. In Washington, right? With Sean McVay, <clears throat> all three right. of those jokers. So, I mean, in a sense, I mean, Kyle Shanahan was, grew up around football with his dad his entire life, right? I mean, he, he already had the, the pathway paved for himself. So, in a sense... I mean, yes, his mentor was his father, but like in a sense, I think Lafleur might have been mentored somewhat by Kyle Shanahan to a certain degree, right? I'm sure he learned a lot from him. I don't know. Interesting matchup, though. Two head coaches who really, really know one another. I think the chess game between them is going to be—you could definitely see it in the first time they met, the earlier this year. Yeah, should be interesting. The 49ers ran the ball 38 times against the Cowboys. You know that's what they're going to do again. Elijah Mitchell, Debo Samuel, they're going to have guys coming out of the backfield running the football. That's what they should do because they have Jimmy Garoppolo as their quarterback, and he's fucking terrible. Right. Debo Samuel is scary. Yeah. He scares the shit out of me. And it goes back to what we talked about weeks ago. I think I was talking about how the Packers cannot, it was against the Bears. We cannot cover a guy coming out of the backfield running or throwing. Like, I don't remember what that wide receiver's name was, but he was nobody. He was no Debo Samuel, and he tore the Packers a, a new ass in that game. So that is a concern. We can't cover the tight end. They have George Kittle. I don't care if he's been cold the last four weeks. He's still George Kittle. You know, there's going to be a large dose of that in this game, guaranteed. Because the last pretty much all year, the Packers have struggled in that area. But really, the last couple of weeks, it was really exposed. 
It's going to be an interesting football game. You know, you look at the first week of games, you know, Philadelphia really didn't belong in the playoffs. Pittsburgh really didn't belong in the playoffs. Honestly, the the Cardinals didn't look like they belonged in the playoffs either. They were terrible. I know you didn't get to see that game, but that was an awful football game. I was never impressed with them all year at all. But Frauds. Yeah. So, but these teams left, especially in the NFC. Rams, Bucks, Packers, 49ers. Those are four good football teams. Oh, yeah. yeah. There is no break. I don't, if we would have gotten the, the Rams, that's a tough football game, too. Like, either way, there's no gimmies in the playoffs in the, at this point. No, no. Advantage to us, of course, a whole week of rest, getting a lot of starters back on the field in a cold, cold ass Lambeau field it's gonna be cold I think they were saying I don't know what is it eight o'clock eastern the game or something yeah I think eight fifteen eastern eight fifteen eastern I mean it, they're saying seven but you know it, it, with the wind chill and shit it's gonna be like at zero or below probably it would have been colder on Sunday so I'm looking at it right now and it, again it just has the high and low right now it is zero degrees in Green Bay Wisconsin jeez <laughs> It's supposed to get down to negative seven, negative Ugh. eight. It's supposed to be negative eight at 8 a.m. tomorrow in Green Bay. God. Yeah. On Saturday, the high is 20. The low oh. is six. And it's going to be at night. It's a night game. So it's going to be oh, on yeah. the six side oh, yeah. of that. Welcome to Lambeau 49ers. Exactly. You're not in the Bay Area anymore. Fool. Man. Give me a key for the Packers winning this football game. Well, like I kind of mentioned, I mean, Debo Samuel scares me from for a lot of reasons. I mean, just his explosiveness, his speed. I mean, he can do so many different things in that offense. Um, that's I think that's Kyle Shanahan's like number one pawn in that offense, and he uses him so so many diverse ways. And I think we have to be very careful about about that guy. Almost like a, <laughs> you see him on the field, just assign somebody to him follow that guy you know the rest yeah. of the defense does does what we call but yeah so i think you got to shut down that guy and you got you got to shut down the run game and you got to force the 49ers offense force them to use garoppolo as their offense and if we can do that i think we're going to be successful and i talked about the time of possession we have to win the time of possession and that's going to be run the ball get first downs chew up the clock shut them down on defense I'm with you on that. I don't want to call it a track meet because it's going to be six degrees. So it's not really a track meet, but I think the Packers need to put San Francisco on their heels immediately. I believe that Matt LaFleur, if they win the toss, will defer. That's what they've done the entire, basically the entire year, but then they need to get a stop on that first drive and they need to go down and shove it right in San Francisco's ass and yep. get them down two touchdowns. Cause then like you just said, Todd, you need to make them one-dimensional and make them throw it rather than one-dimensional and let them run the football. Because if you get up big, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have to win them the game, and I don't think they can. If you can force them to throw and you get pressure, if we He's can throw it to us, right? The game is over. But hopefully we will. Hopefully with Zadarius Smith and Marcellus coming back and Gary – yeah, and Preston Smith. It's going to be a late one, man. Yeah, it is. Poor God, Peter. Man. Fucking old. 
I saw that. The, I was like, I didn't even realize it was on Saturday. I was like looking at, I was like, oh, I wonder what the game, what time the game is this weekend. And I look and I'm like, oh, fuck, it's on Saturday. So, And I'll be in beautiful Wausau, Wisconsin, coaching wrestling. I'll be driving back during the first half of that game, probably. It'll be cold as shit up there, I'm sure. Oh, we, yeah. Fuck. Ugly cold. Be driving a school van from Wausau to Milwaukee. Can't wait. Won't be able to swear on the way back. I might be able to because I'm guessing that the kids will come home with their parents. All right. <laughs> and then I'll be in the van alone cussing. <laughs> <laughs> driving down the freeway. Fuck. Cussing at no one. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> if there are kids in the van, I'll be like, put your, your AirPods put your, in. Because yeah. it's gonna about to get ugly right here. <laughs> just pull over at like a rest area kids stay in here and just get out <laughs> start screaming yeah. uh oh, hopefully it doesn't come to that but right yeah. hopefully they're just rolling over the top of the 49ers and so you'll be doing that for the first half you think well the tournament is saturday it's in wausau i believe that i'll be closer to home when the game starts than i will be you know what i mean like yeah. I, I tournaments don't yeah. usually go past maybe five o'clock or yeah. so so yeah and i'll be texting you i'm sure yeah i'll have to voice text so if there's a lot of spelling errors or i won't be swearing either because i'll probably be watching with my son that's bad. we'll have to <laughs> yeah battery's gonna learn some new words dad why do you keep going out to the balcony <laughs> Earmuffs, son. Earmuffs. All right. So let's finish this thing off. We do this every time. Need a score prediction. Score. Oh, geez. I haven't thought of it. I'm going to go 30-10 Packers. 30-10? Yeah. God, I hope so. You're the playoff guru, so I will. I, I'm 6-0. Yeah. So far be it for me to argue with that. I said 28, 27 Packers. I think it's going to be a pull your hair out type game. Ugh. I hope I, not. I don't want it to be. Really able don't to move. Much rather see 30, 10 and like 20, zero at halftime. That would be right. spectacular. Yeah. 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 Can't wait. Cannot wait. Same here. Super excited. All right, so thanks for listening to episode 72, the Earl Dotson episode. And go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.